Phil Rockerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got guys. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, No Death Runs, High Score Runs, uh, collector of all things vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. I also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. Game Center CX, Tacho on! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. It's gonna be one of those episodes. It's always one of those episodes. It's for fucking Looney Tunes. (laughs) 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 All day, Walter Day. (laughs) So, I mean, like, this is like overdue for us covering Game Center CX. Um, by far, like, one of our favorite television shows of all time. Right up. Like, literally. And for those people that aren't aware, this show is in Japan. It's on its 21st season. <laughs> and there's t- over 230, there's like 236 episodes right now. So over <laughs> 230 episodes. Every episode, Arena plays a freaking retro game. Ludicro, fucking nuts. And just like VGBS, most of the time he's playing Famicom. Most of the time. Yeah, it's like 90%. He goes to lots of other stuff, just like we do, but pretty much bread and butter's the Fami. It's like home base. It's, it's to the point where all the Japanese DVD box sets that they release have, like, a Famicom on them. Yeah, so it's kind of like with us, most of our homework games are, like, NES, Famicom. 
Yeah. And, I mean, while we've covered things like Sh- Adventures of Shatman and Robin on the Genesis. That wasn't our fault, but, yeah. <laughs> Not my fault! They made me do it! Snitsky, yes. Yeah. Not my fault! <laughs> <laughs> but, like, doing a quick scroll through, like, the seasons, like, almost... 90% per season is Famicom, and then you got some Super Famicom in there, or PC Engine, and stuff like that. I don't know if there was one season that was all Famicom, though. I don't think they did that. The The cool thing that I know both of us really like is the dichotomy between the him challenging a game, and then all the extra little segments in between. So, like, literally... There'll be a section where he goes to a game center and looks for candy and plays a bunch of different Japanese games and finds some arcade games in there while he's doing it. Yeah, that's just as important as his homework. 100%. And um, for those of you that are in the know, a few years back, Kotaku did a release of them called Retro Game Master, which was which was a play on the retro game a challenge for the Nintendo DS and like basically it was American dubbed terribleness and subtitle American dubbed announcer with subtitled arena um and it was only the challenges and a lot of people don't know this but all the DVD box sets for Game Center CX that were re- released in Japan Japan were only the challenges too so the only way that you can watch all these extra little scenes is either, number one, catch it in syndication on Japanese television, or number two, get all of these fan subtitles that are released online. So, I mean, that's the thing. And we're both passionate about it. We probably should do a general synopsis of Game Center CX. Roll out the red carpet, because here Arena comes. So, so I'll start out with the About section on saggccx.com. They're the ones that do do a majority of the translations. Um, they have slowed down a little bit because I heard that the main translator, which her name was Zari, she actually was translating Arino's book. <laughs> so, like, she literally got brought into the show for her work as a fan translator. Like, nice. Insanity. Nice. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and that's crazy. Yeah. So l- let me read from their website. Um, so the premise of Game Center CX is genius in its simplicity. Each episode, Shinra Areno, a Japanese comedian, enters an average-looking conference room in the morning and is presented with a game and a challenge. The challenge is typically to see the ending and be declared successful or give up and fail. The amount of time that he is given to achieve this can vary, but the video engineer Suda usually doesn't want to miss the last train home in the early hours of the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately for Reno, he's pretty bad at video games, and even simple games can prove to be quite the challenge. Whether he's playing a classic like Super Mario World or the masochistic Quest for Key, Arino faces up to them with good-natured humor and resolve that makes it impossible not to root for him. Yes. While the game challenge makes up the majority of the episodes, there are a number of other popular segments such as arcade visits, challenges against other staff members, and looking at forgotten peripherals and consoles. After 10 years and over 200 challenges, Reno has become the face of retro gaming in Japan. 
and Game Center CX isn't stopping anytime soon. Um, don't worry though. Although he's gotten better at playing games over the years, there'll always be a challenge for him. And so, so they mention a lot of things. They don't mention one important thing though, Kyle. And it's not that it's just you're watching a TV show that where a dude's playing video games. You're watching a guy that's playing video games in front of a panel of producers that are literally interacting and laughing at him while he's doing it. Yeah, they're like watching him, and when or or they're like amazed when he does something that's like oh, so you can hear like the Japanese, you know, rapport, which is classic. Ah, oh. <laughs> and it's it's literally like Arenos playing it for the first time ever because he really is ignorant to new experiences, which is perfect, and like. Everybody in the room, you have all the ADs, which are basically your subject matter experts, your gaming masters that come in, and they've already played and mastered the game. And so they're literally watching him, and they know he's going to mess up. And when he does, it's hilarious, because they're like, oh, look, he just walked into that pit. (laughs) And we didn't tell him. Those ADs are, like, working their way up, like, within the actual company itself. So that's what's cool about Japan, too. They, like, groom everyone, like, to actually, like, improve through the years. They, like, set you up, and then as long as you produce, they, like, hook you up, and they, like, keep you. There's, like, a loyalty. That's what I always liked about Japan. Like, once you're in, man, you're fucking solid. In like Flynn. Yeah, and then it just keeps growing from there, because now you're, like, a badass. He has, like, such good spirits, too. He's always laughing. I, he is, like, a um, comedian. That's the other thing, too. Like, he started as, like, stand-up, I believe. He does, like, a um, a team with another guy. Yeah. And, like, comedians are, like, I don't know, like, maybe in the U.S. where it's, like, knowing a sports star or a rap star. Like, they know comedians and it's like an inside joke for them like oh this character in this game looks like this random comedian that's in japan that we don't get in the u.s but to them it's hilarious because they know exactly who he's talking about and yeah the other big thing is just the title of the show game center cx so like really that is just as important as the gaming itself is so they always go to different game centers and it just see different games he arena tries to play like anything that he can doesn't matter like how you know primitive or how advanced it always seems like when he goes to he likes all the little crane games and the little fun little like rifle shooting games and things like that over like just jumping straight to the arcades because he wants to win a, a candy or a toy so he does the whole range of different games and my favorite is the um it's like a special series and he goes for the northmost arcade basically it's like the the northmost game center that's awesome so so that is something they don't mention in the about and that's like literally there's multiple different ones of those there's one where he came to north america yeah there's all these different like miscellaneous treats yeah and that northmost arcade one was awesome he goes to Japan. The more north he gets, the more, like, snowy it gets. So you actually see, like, there's nice weather, and then it gets, like, blizzards and shit. And then the towns, there's stores that are, like, abandoned, and no one's in there. And they're like, well, this used to be an arcade or whatever. And they're, like, looking inside, and they see some arcade machines. So it gets almost, like, 
you know, Indiana Jones-ish. Like, they're just looking for the northmost arcade in Japan, and they find it, and it's hilarious. Like, this is it. And they, like, mark it and everything. This is the northmost arcade machine. And <laughs> it's just classic, man. Like, that's the shit that I love. Like, for no reason, like... <laughs> I think that episode doesn't even have a challenge on it, does it? No, it's the whole idea. They just go to every single game center on the way there, too. So that's the other thing. Like, they stop at every one they can. And then they play those games, so you get to see probably 50 games in the end, maybe more, like... Well, I think it's a cool thing because you kind of get to see into the Japanese culture, too, at the time. This was probably over 10 years ago now that that was recorded. That's a huge part. It, it, I fell in love with Japanese culture through watching this. Yeah. It was like, oh, man, this is, like, me. It, I almost felt like I was born in the wrong, like, country <laughs> in a way. You know what I mean, though? Like, yeah. You, it's just like you get it, like... <laughs> But yeah, man. So, so the um the American one because I mentioned earlier that uh, Zari did the I think she did like the translation for the book. I think through the forums because when I said it was S A G C C X, S A is something awful, which is the forums where the translators would go and talk about what they're translating. Um, I think Zari posted in there that when she went, she went to the event in the U.S. and she got to meet Arena. <laughs> <laughs> so I think th- I think that's literally how, because they came to the U.S., he was able to meet Arena. Was able to meet some of the people that are doing the fan translations perfectly out here. Like it's so so crazy. And the thing is, is that Arena is so good natured too. Like he's he's like has this steel resolve where he'll never quit. Yeah, and he has that smart-assness to him, that too, that I like. Oh, definitely he's a smart-ass. He's definitely uh, got that Japanese culture where it's, like, sexist at times, too. Well, there was, like, a girl who was, like, overweight, and he was just ripping on the girl. Like, he, like, hid between two arcade machines. He's like, you can't get me here because you can't fit between this. Like, <laughs> the, the Japanese culture is different in that they're, like, more blunt. And she was laughing about it, too. So the newest episode that they released, which was Wizards and Warriors, um, he they literally the AD or one of the guys comes in and goes, uh, just so you know, a, a woman that doesn't play games too often beat this in six hours. He's like, well, then I got to beat the game in less than six hours. <laughs> like, it was like, like literally somebody who's not very good at games. That's a, a, a girl beat this in this amount of time. So Arena had to beat it. And so like he constantly throughout the episode would reference that. And, like, as he was starting to rip on uh, making female jokes, like, there was, like, a little thing in Japanese that said, the uh, comments of Arena is not that of Game Center CX. Oh, uh. <laughs> I was like, wow. And they, they translated it, but it was in Japanese, too, so they wrote it in Japan. Like, it was like, it must have gotten bad with the uh, the overweight female. Like, God. There was a few games at, like, a pastry place he went to. And she was just eating all this bread, and he was just like, oh, my God, like, could you eat any more? Like, <laughs> And she was just laughing, like, stuff in her face. It's just weird. But, yeah, the other thing is, like, a lot of the games, they have, like, Satan and Lucifer and Devil and just a lot of the taboo stuff. And mm-hmm. even, like, um, Kid Dracula with, like, the swastika, like, the, the Magi, like, the backward swastika on the... Ku Klux Klan ghost guy's head, the boss. It's like they don't see that as... Well, number one, they were allies with Germany. Number two, they don't see religion like we do because they're mostly Buddhist. 
so they don't see like Christianity like we do. So it's different. Like so, you know, in the games you have your iconography. Like your splatter house has like symbols on the floor. You know, like occult shit. But yeah, it's way different over there. So that's the whole thing that you realized. Like um, when when he gets stuck, it's they call it like gaming hell. When yeah. You get when you get stuck and you can't like get past a certain part. So it's just like little things. Like they would never call it that in America because it's not like PC. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. That's that's what I like though. It's kind of off the wall. It doesn't take like all the little crappy like butt hurt shit. Yeah, you know, is afraid to like do stuff. It's just they are what they are. But yeah, the this the sexist thing I could see that getting a little like oh shit. They put a <laughs> disclaimer. That's amazing. I gotta watch that one. That was awesome. That was great. And um, the the translation team kind of took like they didn't take a break, but they have life like we do. Um, and so the last one they posted was like last summer, two thousand sixteen, like almost a year ago. Uh, and by the time this posted, it'll probably be over a year ago. Just recently, they released the Wizards and Warriors one, but it was by a different group. So it was like really crazy looking fonts and stuff. It was it was pretty cool. So the the one thing that uh, I wanted to mention too is like in the description we mentioned that uh, Arena is kind of transcending Japanese culture, and even from the first season, like he had like celebrities. Like and later on, he does an interview with Awada before he passed away, like. That's pretty amazing, and he'll always have that. Like he literally is writing and doing history at this point. Um, first season though, he went with our our favorite Takahishi <laughs> Menji, yes, the master Master Higgins. <laughs> Menji. Yeah, so there's interviews too. That's amazing segment though, and that's why like in this episode here, we're gonna cover a general synopsis of season one because season one is different than every season after it because they were kind of figuring out what they wanted to do and it was almost like they went every episode in season one was like company to company and that's when you would get your hudson or your konami and like it was it was pretty awesome and that game was based on the company yeah when he was with master higgins too like they played the the star force and they had the the joystick you had to hit a certain like power up and kill a certain guy before a certain time and that's what i love like the super strategies i felt like i was watching an old like 80s or early 90s like game hint show or something where they're they're showing you all this cool shit and it's like oh man for sure and like this is when we were first starting to get into it right yeah 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 right when we were and like literally you look up uh takaishi menji on YouTube, and at the time, I don't know if it's still there, but um, there's this video of him playing versus his rival, and it's literally like an 80s montage. It's awesome. It's like these guys are playing, you know, video games, but, and he looks, he, he's Master Higgins. He looks just like Master Higgins, just bald. <laughs> like, it's awesome. It's hilarious that they completely made a character after him, because he was literally Hudson's, like, spokesperson for the shoot 'em ups and selling controllers, and yeah. he's, like, the master. And so, like, the, the Star Force thing. I remember that was, um, I'm looking at it right now. It was episode five of season one was the Star Force one. And he didn't have to clear the game at that one. He just had to do that bonus to shoot that little mini boss. It was like the the Raros mini boss type thing. And it literally like 
creates a center, and as the things come together toward the center, you have to shoot it a certain amount of times to blow it up and get a bonus. And this is literally when Arena was completely rusty and terrible at video games. Rarios defeated with eight shots in one second. That's what you got to do. Rarios. <laughs> eight shots in one second. I remember at that time, you would think now wouldn't be an issue, but watching him play, it was like hilariously frustrating how bad he was. It took him forever. But then he got it, man. Then he started getting it. And it's funny, when once you get it, like then you start getting it over and over again. Exactly. And that's kind of what I realized with the episodes when he's playing the games. Once he gets to a certain spot, it's easy to get to that spot again. Yeah. Like, at least they they edit it, though. I mean, it could take, like, eight hours. That's the other thing, that it's it's edited so where it's not grueling either to watch. It, it Definitely. So, say, like, for a perfect example of that would be, say, he's going through... I don't know, Super Mario Brothers, and he gets to level 2 and dies at level 2, they're not going to show him getting back up to level 2 again. They're going to show him, like, beat the spot that got him and then continue on. And it's like a constant progression, and they'll kind of show, like, if it took a long time, they'll be like, three hours elapsed, 20 hours elapsed, like, ridiculous. (laughs) But so the episodes are still, like, only an hour, and... It's amazing because we get like hours and hours and hours of video game knowledge and classicness. And you get to see how he plays something differently than how we do. So when we start doing this episode by episode, number one, we're not going in order. Number two, we're going to pick out what we want to do. And we're going to like almost what you're saying, like Areno is going to be like our third member of the podcast when it comes for those those episodes. I want to try. Yeah, we'll do the games that he does, and then see what trials and tribulations he went through, as opposed to what we went through. Yep. And it just opens up a whole new dynamic. Yeah. For us to talk about, like, because it's someone else's experience. Well, and we can talk about like where he struggled, if we struggled there, if we didn't, um, if he cleared it, if we cleared it, whatever we did, um. And then afterward, we can do like the bonus section, which is the other stuff that happened during that episode. And if, you know, they do like certain sections where they'll cover a bunch of games from a year for like the Famicom or the Game Boy, and they'll go in order. And we could talk about those too. Like the world is our oyster at that point. Like if he played Metal Slug in the arcade, which he tends to do a lot, um, we could talk about a little bit of a Metal Slug. Like, yeah. He likes his Neo Geo candy cabs, that's for sure. Loves his candy cabs. Yes.
Kid Icarus, the episode you could watch is like the sun setting, so it's like during the day, and then he's playing, and then he's, you know, night starting to fall, and then all of a sudden it's like the dead of night. So they also show the progression like through the windows and stuff. Was was that the episode where he had the AD, the assistant director, uh, stand in front of the window to block the sun? Um, and that one, they brought him a hat to wear. <laughs> he said, I don't look dignified with a hat. <laughs> and then he had them just close the blinds. Well, I, th- I thought it was hilarious because he literally had the AD stand up there for like hours to block the sun. And then afterwards, he's like, can you close the blinds on your way out? <laughs> like, you could have closed them all along. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I think with the Kid Icarus, it was like a running joke at that point. So then it's just funny that they gave him a hat now. So they also do that, too. There's, like, continuous little running jokes throughout the show. Yeah, actually, that was one one thing I wanted to cover, is that the actual fictional background of the show is Areno is, like, an employee of the Game Center CX company. Um, and he wears this jumpsuit, of course. I mean, if you look at any picture of Shinra Areno, he's wearing the jumpsuit. Um, and... He's like senior staff in the first season, then he's the acting chief, and then he's the chief, and that's the cacho. Um, and then if he does terrible, he gets downgraded to acting chief again, or goes back down to senior staff. Like, but most of the time, past senior, season four, they don't really mess with this too much after that. But, um, it's just a, a classic little theme where he's the Cacho on. Cacho on. He turns on the Famicom. So whenever I turn on my fucking Famicom, it goes through my head. Yeah, and he didn't start doing that for a few seasons either. The other aspect to the shows is at the beginning of each show and throughout, the narrator is there talking, which he does like this over dramatic, like, oh, what is Reno going to do now? And it's, it's in Japanese, of course, and translated. It's not, it's not. American, but it's like literally like a, a like a movie announcer talking, which is awesome. And on top of that, you got the king, who's a sixteen-bit looking little character that talks shit to Arena or gives hints or. And he's like a dragon warrior, Final Fantasy type RPG. How you always go to the king first type thing in those games, and that has its own story too. Like, it, it has its own story where, like, it goes from the king to a queen to a kid to an evil demon guy, an evil king. Like, then it goes to, like, the Grim Reaper for a season. Like, every season, it, it like, changes around. There's been 21 seasons now. Yeah, the bad king's great. Oh, yeah. Like, corrupt king. Amazing. The other thing I want to mention, too, like, so the other great thing is you can see how the games in Japan are different than the games in America. Mm-hmm. Which we'll talk about in the coming, like, when we do certain stuff, like Adventures of Tom Sawyer, you can see how much different that game is. So that gives us... Oh, tons. That's the thing, it gives us... That already is, like, 10 to 15 minutes of, like, content. (laughs) Tons, man. Just that we wouldn't have even had if we, me and you just played the game. Well, it just, it gives us an extra thing to jump into and analyze, which is perfect. And now we can see what the game's like on their end, and, like, why they changed it for the American crowd. And then we can delve into, like, the psyche, which I always love to do, you know. Oh, of course. Kyle Fuchsia stuff. So that, to me, is, like, all I need to convince me that, like, this is a fucking fantastic idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think in season one, like, the reason why it's perfect to cover it now is, like, there's literally the only time that they go really far into the future um, for, like, newer games at the time. 
Because it was literally released in 2003, so it was 14 years old when it was first released, 14 years ago. Which yeah, is crazy. crazy. But the only games that they covered that we would literally maybe make a homework game would be like a Galaga or a Gradius um, or a Super Mario Brothers. But in those, they were like multi-parts. It wasn't necessarily a full homework either. We'll just go over like what they were. Because it's like 11 episodes, but they're shorter um, there's stuff in there that was used, like, later. So, for example, like, when he goes to Namco, there's actually another Namco episode later that was released in the DVD that's separate. So, like, they literally realized then, starting in Season 2, that, oh, nope, we need to format the, the show this way. And from Season 2, they actually started over the episode numbers, which is interesting. So that's why, like, just covering Season 1 during this during the synopsis is perfect and so basically the games that he covered he covered a lot of famicom but then he has like he has started with takishi's challenge is the first one which is kind of like a troll game a shit game they call it yeah that's the first game they do in the first episode (laughs) like his giant show is like a shit game yeah yeah they do that one um, and Takeishi was basically, there's like this show, like Super Challenge, um, that's in America. And that was like the Japanese version, the original version of that game. Super Game Show Challenge or something where basically you watch Japanese guys getting like knocked out by these big obstacle courses and stuff. Like he literally just wanted to make a game. <laughs> and then like wanted to make it dumb. Like that was like the, the whole, thing behind the episode when he talked to the guys creating it is like they just want to make a, a shit game there's some weird ass part i think we have to like sit around for like an hour or something and like wait for something yeah you leave the controller doing nothing for a certain amount of time it's like what the fuck it's so dumb it's great ultimate like troll game <laughs> just like fucks with your head exactly just to see if you can beat it so episode two and three are both like newer games, PlayStation Two and Xbox games. So you have uh, Angelique Choice, which is like a little um, dating sim game, and then Steel Battalion. The one he like goes into a giant like theater and plays Steel Battalion with the giant controls and everything. That's a badass game. I always think Disc Replay had that Steel Battalion on the very top shelf, and I think it's so big. And then you got Room Mania, number 203, on Dreamcast. What the fuck was that even like? I can't even remember. It was, an, it was like another one of those little dating things, but it was like in a room, and it was it was weird. I think the files we have of those are only like 10 minutes long and shit, right? They're really short, yeah. That's the other thing. They're not like complete... Uh, they were part of an episode, or... I don't even know how that was formatted in the beginning. I think it was. it was done by a different... Uh, translation team, and I think like there was literally episodes that were separate that were based on that company. They literally had like that part of the episode and maybe a game center visit, and then like the interviews were like another episode that were put on the DVDs. It was weird. Yeah, everyone listening, you just type in Game Center CX episodes in Google, and you'll like the first link, click on it, and it'll bring you to all the episodes you can watch. Via video on subtitle. Yeah, and I think you can even just watch them all on the ship, on the site. Yeah, they're all there. They're all right embedded. They're available for direct download. Then episode five is when you get your Takaishi Menji. And that's when I think Areno's humor 
and genuineness came across was the first time you would see that was in the Star Force episode. Just his whole interaction with Master Higgins was amazing. <laughs> Which one was the Konami? One of these was the Konami episode. Triple Konami Challenge. That's uh, yeah. a little more forward. So um, then episode six is Astro Robo Sasa Famicom game. That's a crazy little game. <laughs> crazy hard fucking game. Quirky as shit. A ton of levels. Yeah. And then they play, I haven't played Galaga, but not on the, the Famicom, but on the PlayStation, which is weird. Like, again, like, he doesn't go past, after that, I think was the last time he went to a newer system. That ga- that episode right there, seven. There might be a PlayStation game every once in a while, and they feel bad for him and want him to beat something. Yeah, they, like, changed it, the format of it. Like, that's about when they started changing. All right, we need to go straight to retro. Uh, <laughs> um, then after that, you had Door Door, which is a classic single-screen arcade game. That was the first game of his that I played that I bought, like, that nice. I didn't have prior. So that was my first, like, okay, cool. It was like the Game Center CX, like, tipped me off. Door Door is a masterpiece. It is freaking awesome, because, like, literally the little enemies... Or have a beeline toward you, and you got to lure them into doors, and then before they exit the door, you got to shut it on them to get rid of them. Yeah, it has that. It has a Burger Time frenzy feel, but yet there's more you can do to protect yourself. Burger Time, it always just feels so naked. Like it seems like in Door Door, there's enough um, exits for you to like escape from the enemies. Yeah, yeah, which I love about that because then you're outsmarting the AI, which is cool. Yeah, and it's like, during the episode, he tries to, like, capture a huge amount of guys at one time, like, four or five guys at once, and you get, like, huge bonuses for that. So then there's that aspect, like, how many can you capture? Yeah. Yeah, so that game is fucking awesome. I think that, to me, is my favorite game that he played in the first season, other than, you know, Super Mario Brothers and stuff. But you have your triple Konami challenge, too. And that's the thing, is that, like... Out of the new stuff we were introduced to, that was definitely the best one. I would say second for me would be Astro Robo Sasa. Like, Astro Robo Sasa was a classic where it's like, oh, this is a weird-ass Japanese game. I can see why they didn't bring it to the U.S. (laughs) Um, Door Door on the other side, they should have brought. Yeah. So, Triple Konami Challenge, you got... Track and Field, Yair Kung Fu, and of course, Gradius. And this episode, he has like a little sign that he like pulls. He has to reveal what the game is, which is pretty cool. It's very game showy, you know? Yeah, they like, they made it like a little secret the whole time. And I think he only had like little, he didn't have to beat each game. I think he just had to do like one thing per time. Yeah, and Yair Kung Fu is always classic. Oh, yeah. Funny how bad he was at Gradius, too. He was really bad in this season at Gradius. Yeah, and from then on, they were always like, you know, Arena's bad at shoot 'em ups kind of thing. That's his, like, weakness. <laughs> yeah. He got pretty good later, but right here. Um, and now here's the crazy thing. So we get past Triple Konami, and I think in the Konami one, he interviewed um, Hideo Kojima before he left Konami. But this was 2004, so it was way before he left. And then, so so we get to episode 10. He plays Mario and Mario 2, The Lost Levels, and he fails both. I always love with The Lost Levels, <laughs> like, he has this um, kid come in, and they, like, his family. Like, the, there's a dad and a brother, and the kid's like a savant. 
Yeah, is that where it goes to the SP, the secondary, like the rematch thing, or so he could he helps him clear it or something? Yeah, he comes and like shows him what, what you have to do, and he's you know he's just like you have to connect with your your inner feelings and just like use your impulses, and it's just great. Like, but it's it's like insane that he failed Super Mario Brothers. Like he's so bad at games, and he's terrible at it. Like, how do you fail? Super Mario, like, everybody played that game. That's where it's, like, we gotta think about that, and, like, later on in Season 2, like, there's games that he fails, that it's, like, what? Well, he beats, like, Kid Icarus, though, so... That's the thing, and, like, that's... What what season is Kid Icarus, though? Way later, so he got better, you know? Yeah, he got way better. Just like what, what we've done with the cast, too, we've gotten better over time. Well, Season 2, he failed Mario 3. That's crazy. Like, oh, like, like some of those. Like, I could see him failing like a Ghosts and Goblins, but failing Mario three. Like to us, Mario three is like it. It's like a baby's toy. Uh, <laughs> but then, like later on, he's fa- he's he's clears Mylon's Secret Castle, or he cleared Metroid, dude. So it's I think it's um it's two things. It's playing more and more, you get better. But it's also that gold medal game thing, the classic thing they always say. Like a Reno specialty is like boring work, like dull work is Reno specialty. Grinding is what we would call it in the states. Yeah, dull work. Dull. Yeah, so he could just sit there and like build up points. That's what Reno's best at. Or puzzle games like Eggerland or Solomon's Key. One thing though is like if he doesn't get the best ending, they fail. They fail him though. They so he, they failed him on the challenge, even though he beat the game, which is crazy to me because he failed and got the because he got the worst ending for Kid Icarus. Well, there was one part where someone helped him. So there is that aspect too, where sometimes he has a someone come out and like help him. He got stuck on one portion where they had the Reaper is like on a small little cliff. You can't like get past seemingly without killing the Reaper. But then the guy comes out and says, "When you scare the Reaper, you can jump through it." <laughs> so that's like a hint. So there's also like the Game Pro hint, like classified information stuff, to where you learn, you know, make the Reaper go crazy, and you can jump right through it, and you don't even have to kill it. And we didn't know that. We didn't know that at all. Yeah, exactly. Hell no. It's amazing. So, yeah, that's the other interesting thing. Like, to me, it would probably take me just as long to beat Kid Icarus the first time, too. I think it would take me longer. The fact that he can beat it and I've never beat it, that's when I learned that, like, everyone has different, like, powers and shit. We all have the power. The power. Everyone has different skills and fucking strengths. Like, it's crazy. So, it looks like DVD 1, DVD 1 has its own challenge, which was Transformers Mystery of Convoy. Oh, no. That was <laughs> recorded, though, in December of 2005, and December of 2005, they were in season 4. <laughs> so, like, literally, that would fit in around the same time he played Doraemon and Actraiser and everything. And Ninja Gaiden. And Kid Icarus. So that's that same season. And the DVDs, they don't... The DVD 1 is not season 1. It's like a... And they do a voting during the episodes. You'll see it. Like, they're voting on season 1. Or they're creating the DVDs. Or they're creating the game. Which turned out to... to the first one came to the States as Retro Game Challenge. But there's actually three Game Center CX games. The first two are excellent. Um, literally, you're playing a... 
bunch of retro games. Um, the first one's mostly Famicom style. The second Game Center CX game actually has like Super Nintendo and Game Boy ones too, which is awesome. And then the third game I heard was made by a different company, and a lot of people don't like it. I've never played it, but it's on the 3DS as well. There's a fan translation of Game Center CX2 as well. Um, haven't played it with the translation on real hardware yet, but it is available for emulation. So there is that. Play it on your PC. Super worth it. There's there's an RPG in there, and you literally, to unlock the next game, you have to play through a game and do the challenges to unlock the next game. The final challenge, which is to beat the game. So, like, there's a full RPG on each one. <laughs> See, that's cool as fuck. That's a, they really packed it. I like that. Pack it up, pack it in, let Arena begin. And, like, while you're playing, because it's a, the D, Nintendo DS, so there's two screens. The top screen is your retro game. The bottom screen is you playing the game with a Reno, and there's a TV and a Famicom. Um, as you play through levels, like, there's a magazine, <laughs> like Nintendo Power, and you get to read up on hints and tricks, and it'll tell you codes for the games within, in Game Center CX, the game. Like, it's insane. These little touches, though, are great. Fucking awesome. It's just love, and it just completely encapsulates the whole retro aspect of everything. Arena! Arena! Now, if you go to Amazon, there is Retro Game Master, released by Discotech Media. It's the same exact release as Kotaku's that we mentioned at the beginning. However, um, in 2012 is when they released this. But it adds a couple extra episodes. So it has the option to, I think it has the option to play only Japanese audio, but still just the challenges. So the issue is, and we caught the episodes before they did this for our own collection purposes for the episodes. But once Kotaku got the rights in 2011 and Discotech in 2012, the people that released the subtitles got rid of the full episodes and only released the Game Center sections. So that way they weren't cutting into the profits of the people who bought the rights to the episodes. So that's why, like, Ninja Gaiden, for example, which was, like, a, a little cut of it, um, isn't available on the Game Center, SA Game Center CXF website, just the Game Center sections, because it's on the DVD. Yeah, so you run into those little roadblocks. Yeah. Um, I know that there was either one or two that were only released that way as it was going on, because those episodes weren't released until the DVD was out. And I think, what did I do? I, I think I went through and in a video editing software and spliced them together. Yeah, it was a few years back when you were doing that little project. I don't know how perfect it is. I think it's pretty damn good, though. But yeah, it, it works. One of the things that was really cool was uh, we always talk about, like, when we get into something, like the stars align. Synchronicities. And this year at Midwest Gaming Classic, I was literally looking for MSX games, which is the um, Microsoft style, but it's the Konami computer released only in Japan. Um, I didn't know that a new episode of Game Center CX was released, Wizards and Warriors, because it was only released, I think, on Reddit, and it wasn't updated on the website or the Facebook page. It was released by a different guy on Reddit. 
And I watched that episode, though, and one of the segments is Game Center MSX. (laughs) And they literally play some MSX games on Game Center CX. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, Like, I didn't even know they did that. It was amazing. Yeah, the synchronicities. So, like, hilarious, though, how, like, when you're concentrating on one thing, like, you tend to find it everywhere at that point. Yeah, things start to pop up. It's like, damn. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's time for me to start getting an education on the MSX anyways, because we love 8-Bit, and literally MSX is, like, Coleco-style graphics through Famicom, and then it goes from Famicom through, like, Super Nintendo for the MSX2. You play them all in one. It's like uh, Microsoft's one of their first little ventures. Basically, it's kind of like what the NES did, like bring everything to one focus area. It's a cartridge. Have everything released on a cartridge so you could pop it in the same system. Easy. Yeah, it's a really cool system, man. It's really important, too, as far as just the evolution of gaming goes. Yeah, so we'll probably eventually do an episode on that one. And Hell yeah. It was out of Japan for sure. So those people that played Super Mario Maker on the Wii U, which is, you know, the Wii U game where you can create your own Super Mario Brothers levels, um, super popular, there was actually a mystery mushroom that you could unlock by clearing an event course. It's like an online available course you could download, and you unlock Areno as a playable character in the game. In America. That's great. On in the U.S. game, you could literally unlock and you could play as Arena, like hilarious. And like that game didn't care about localization; like they, it literally just released content. And there's crazy shit you could play as a piece of like sushi. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good, right now. <laughs> now here's another good one for you, Kyle. Did you know that there's a, a spinoff called Game Center DX? <laughs> no. And it's literally stars a different person, which is Areno's other half of the comedy duo. Uh-oh. <laughs> Masaru Hamaguchi, which is, I think their their comedy duo is called Yokio or Yoiko. But basically it has a lot of the original staff of the original show, but it talks about newer Nintendo titles. And I heard from a lot of people, I haven't really watched any, I think we might have one that we have downloaded or saved. But um, I heard that it, the guy's just nowhere near as awesome as Arena. Like, it's this, it's his partner in the comedian thing, but, like, Arena's just amazing at it, whereas you watch this guy and he's kind of, like, bland. I guess it all has to do with, you, yeah, like, the energy you bring to it and, like, how hilarious you are. Arena just is, like, has a charm to him, you know? I mean, it it kind of looks like if you if you Google Game Center DX, it just kind of looks like the guy's trying too hard to be funny. Like he just looks he looks like he's faking it, and and of course he did an episode where he played Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I would like to watch if they ever translate it, because it's you know more classic video games. But I won't lose any sleep if they don't, because I'd rather have the retro stuff. And I mean, it's the same thing why. On our podcast, we're talking a majority of old stuff, not new stuff. Same thing. Yeah, we just love the old stuff. And there's a history behind it. So literally watching, you know, Arena play Balloon Fight with Satoru Iwata instead of watching the other guy play something brand new. But it's like I already have a million places where I can literally click right now on YouTube and watch 
newer games. The retro stuff, um, it's all about Arena at that point. Because they're, they're doing the same thing on YouTube with retro stuff. There's a lot of gamers playing retro stuff. But Arena is Arena. Well, here's the difference. Here's the difference. The, the insight. You get to see it from Jump Street. Yeah. Whereas when you're watching someone do a live stream, they've already like played the game. So now we get to see, like, okay, this is the first time Arena has tried this. Yeah. See, that's what I like. I like to see the evolution of the gamer from the first Jump Street to, like, the end result. Like, how you grow and progress through that. That's what is interesting to me, like, psychologically. Like, how you grow within anything in life, whether it be any experience. You know, you just get to master it and just that progression. That natural progression. And and he has that perfectly, Arena. Like, Well, they, they edit it right, too, where... They show right from the beginning, like, his initial reaction, and then, like, how he, you know, proceeds through the levels and, you know, gets stuck at certain places, and you're you're with him all the way. It, whereas a live stream, you know, I can just play the game for a whole day and then turn the live stream on, so there's not, like, this experience story. It's like a story. And, yeah, that's it, too. Every episode's like a little story, like unfolding. You get to see like how his entire experience is. Well, it's like you get a story on like three or four different aspects. You get Arena's progression as a gamer. You get the whole company's aspect with the ads and how they progress. You get the king and that whole backstory. Um, I mean, you even learn about the cameraman, like Abe, the little biker. Abe's awesome. Punk guy, like Abe's like a badass. Yeah. <laughs> They got like little personalities because they've they're on there and Arena's so genuine interacts with them. Like you get to know everybody. Yeah, you're joking around with people. And like you feel like you're part of that world, right? Yeah, you're like, Abe, get back behind the camera. Stop messing around. It's hilarious. Like, <laughs> Quit messing around. <laughs> Shenanigans. To those people listening who aren't who are like looking into getting all the episodes, there are once you get to season thirteen. So, like, after a hundred episodes, there are a few that haven't been translated yet. Vice Project Doom? Damn it. The first one in season 13 is just a, a Yuji Hori interview. That's all it is. So that one hasn't been translated yet. But that's not a full, like, challenge episode. So I don't think they just haven't taken the time. Because they all take time. Um, the next one is all the way up to season 16 when you got Dynamite Hetty. Um, which I would like to definitely play some time. Captain Subasa, which is a, um, that's a soccer game. And it's a two-parter. And of course, Vice Project Doom, which, oh. And then, um, we get season 17 then, and there's three games that aren't translated there. And then you get down to 18, and then it starts to be all of them. Like, there's a few here and there that have been done, but, I mean, they haven't. There's there's a quite a few games that they need to translate for us, just like R type and Oh R type would be a killer dude. Yeah. And then he did a series too on the Nintendo channel. So basically, you know, likely a promotional thing for Nintendo. Um like they did a Super Mario Maker episode. But there's also he did Mega Man Nine, he did uh Splatterhouse from the arcade, he did Super Metroid Kirby Superstar. There's ones in there, though, that aren't even translated, like um, 
Donkey Kong for the Game Boy. Um, so there's there's some that he needs to do for sure. <laughs> I like to watch that one too, Donkey Kong Land or whatever. Hell yeah, yeah. And apparently he went against Yair Kung Fu again on one of the DVDs. <laughs> cool. I don't know if it was different. I assume he went after it though. But um, yeah, there's the DVD special ones. Not all those are done. But um, it's it, this is literally two or three people as a hobby translating this for the community. So we literally have hundreds of episodes that have been done because people love this show. That's the thing I want to nail home is that like, you know, just like us doing the podcast, we do it for a hobby. These people are doing this for a hobby and making it available to everyone. They could do the translation, just keep them, but they're making it available to the world to enjoy and find out about this show. Got to preserve it, man. Future generations, that's what it's all about. And this show, like when the Kotaku releases came out, they removed some of the translated ones, so then they go the wayside. You know, it's going to be that type of thing where not everything will always be available. So for us, it's like, all right, as soon as something's available, we got to download it. Like... (laughs) And so, like, right now, if you go to Season 15, Flying Dragon, the download's not a direct download. It's a torrent. And if that torrent has no seeds, nobody's sharing it, guess what? You can't get it. Um, there is a torrent right now that I think has everything from 2015 and earlier. So people should be able to still get a majority of the episodes. So that's good. Google Game Center CX episodes, and they're pretty much all online, too, for you. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at vgbspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a phone number. It is... 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, choose a text message, um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us, shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo! Later!